Um, I grew up in St. Louis, so if you as it's like a rite of passage to grow up uh, to have your room yeah. in the basement when you're a teenager because <laughs> you want to be away from everyone else. So I now have a teenager, and I'm sure if we had a basement or like a upstairs room, he would be by himself up there. <laughs> when so we moved when I was in high school, we moved sometime during my senior year of high school, and. I have three brothers and the house we moved into had four bedrooms. So two, my two youngest brothers shared a room. I was the oldest. When I went off to college, I, I obviously lost my room, right? Like mm -hmm. they weren't going to all keep sharing a room and just leave this empty room open for, for Jason. So when I would come home, so my parents had a, it was actually a split level. It had a big main level and then it had a lower and you could go up and then it also had a basement below that lower, not below the lower level, but you could go down from there. And it was a basement basement, not a finished basement or anything like that. And so they basically put a bed in a dresser back next to the furnace. <laughs> and that was where I would sleep when I would come home. And it was great until like the furnace would kick on <laughs> some random thing. And there's like, all of a sudden you're like sleeping, but you're awoken by a sound of like an engine starting. And then out of the, like you're groggy and you open your eyes and out of the corner of your eye you just see fire <laughs> <You're> <laughs> yeah, like what's happening right that now sounds awesome. <laughs> and i know i know my mom does listen to this podcast so i do love you mom and i don't you know that it, it, i turned out it's all fine but i just i'm just throwing it out there that i i understand that experience of sleeping in the basement oh for sure i w i lived in the basement after i'm just have an older brother and after he left for college um they made his room a guest room and i was I wanted to be in the basement. I even had like a door of like, you know, those old beads that that was my door. <laughs> you know, it was like super 70s style. And then when I left for college, my mom, she immediately like before I've even left, she starts like ripping up the room to turn it into something else. And I was like, geez, mom, I'm not even gone. And she starts crying and she goes, I can't do it once you're gone. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay. All right. You do what you need uh -huh. to do, mom. Cause it was like, you know, she was, she was being sad about the empty nest, which, you know, I'm sure I will be too. Yeah. Moms are entitled to that, I suppose. So, <laughs> so we probably should start with, um, follow-up and we didn't have anything on our list for follow-up. And the reason for that is because normally in the follow-up section, we follow up on anything that we might've talked about in the previous week's episode, or I guess any episode previous, but we didn't have a previous week's episode <laughs> because we did not record a podcast last week. That wasn't intentional. We planned on um, recording a podcast last week, but life happens, right? And that's just reality sometimes. And so um, I don't know if I should be more bummed that, you know, we weren't able to record or if I should be more bummed that I don't think anyone noticed. <laughs> well, I mean, I think they probably missed us and we're sorry. We just, you know, absence makes a heart grow fonder. So hopefully you'll enjoy this episode just as much as any other. Or you got to catch up on maybe one that you didn't get to listen to before. That's true. And I will say for podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis, I do generally listen to them pretty shortly after they come out. But I don't know that I could tell you what day any of them come out on you know like I don't sit mm -hmm. there and go oh it's Thursday that means such and such and such and such is going to be available like I don't right. think about it that way so if it doesn't show up in my feed as a new release it's it wouldn't be necessarily automatically be an indication to me that 
something was missing, if that makes sense. So I understand that that people may not realize until they listen to this one. Oh, yeah, there there was no episode last week. So right. that's all right. It's all good. It happens. It's life. It's a new year. It's in, still a pandemic. You know, things happen. So we yep. apologize and we hope you forgive us and we hope you enjoy this one even more since we have probably more ideas. Well, and I will say the one nice thing is that we do have a little bit of bonus content. Uh, even though Jess and I didn't have a chance to record, I did have an opportunity to interview David Smith, who is an independent developer. You probably aren't familiar with his name, but there's a pretty good chance that you're familiar with his app. He's the developer who um, created Widgetsmith, which for a period of several weeks last year was the most popular app on the App Store. It was the number one free app. It was downloaded more than 50 million times. I wrote a piece about it for Inc., which I really enjoyed having a conversation with him. And we got to the end of the conversation and it was pretty obvious that like, oh, this would be directly applicable to our podcast audience. So I asked him if he would would mind. I always record those interviews anyway, just because I can't remember anything and I can't <laughs> take notes and pay attention to what's happening. I just, I can't. So I record them and I said, hey, how, how do you feel? And he was totally down for that. So as a bonus this week, I will include the interview with David Smith. couple of just background questions I have to start. How long have you been making iOS apps? Uh, I guess it's a little over 12 years now. Um, essentially, okay. I started as soon as the App Store launched. So it, okay. I launched my first app, I think it was maybe three months after the App Store uh, launched, just because I couldn't get in on day one, but it was essentially as close to day one as I could. So basically, as long as you can have been making iOS apps. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, that's good. Um, and what was your most successful app before Widget Smith? Uh, it's an app called uh, Pedometer Plus Plus, which is a step counting app. Uh, that was by far my the most successful thing I've ever made before. Even just in relative terms, how would you say the success of that app compares with the success of Widget Smith? I, I guess I'm assuming that Widget Smith has been more successful. Yes. I, I, okay. Yes. I, I'm making an assumption. So, <laughs> so it, Widget Smith, um, in the middle of its uh, like crazy spike, was do did more downloads in a day than Pedometer Plus Plus had done in its seven year history t- combined. So okay. it's orders of magnitude, like I don't know, ten, like in, in in aggregate, it's probably ten times more, um, many times more. Like it's a very very disjointed difference. Like I've okay. never had anything vaguely like Widget Smith before. I think I've heard you say like that it was kind of unexpected that it would do as well as it did. Was there a point where you just start looking at the numbers and you're like, what the hell is happening right now? Like, is this real? Is there a glitch in the counting system or is this really happening? Yes. I mean, I think it was absolutely that that was the case. I had no expectation that this app, like I thought I was building something that was like a very niche tool for like a very kind of like power usery, someone who's very fiddly and like particular about what they want on their phone. And it turned out that like everybody is that power user who is very fiddly about what they want their home screen to look like. And I had no, I just completely misjudged the size of the market that I was addressing that like, I thought I was targeting a very specific group of people. And it turned out that like that very specific group of people was like everyone. And so, and the first couple of days of the launch went the way I expected that it was like picked up amongst kind of like the, the sort of the, the nerdy iOS people that, 
um, I'm sort of familiar with. And then it just got picked up um, initially on TikTok and then just sort of everywhere. Um, and it just took off on its own from there. And at, at a certain point, I think it became self-sustaining in a way too, that it just like, it, it, it wasn't, isn't necessarily that the app did something that was truly unique. There are other apps that do a similar thing, but it was the one that kind of had caught that moment and was the thing that was being shared and the thing that people were talking about and was being marketed in ways that I could never market it myself, that it was you know, word of mouth and um, in the press and all kinds of places that um, just sort of made it the, moment, you know, the app of the week. And um, so it was just everywhere. As an independent developer, my, I'm going to make an assumption that you probably work from home most of the time. Like, I mean, that seems like it makes sense to me. Not, but, okay. <laughs> um, so that probably hasn't, that part of it probably hasn't changed as a result of COVID. But my, I guess my question is how, as some, being someone that works from home, how do you like prioritize and manage? I mean, you talked about having to make a decision between building a weather app and building widget smith because obviously time is finite is there anything in particular the that made working from home a unique situation when you're building apps and, and again i'm not an app person but i sure. but in some levels as a writer the actual physical mechanics are similar right i'm sitting at a computer yeah. and i'm typing things and you're sitting at a computer and you're typing things so you don't have to have a machine that cranks out Wid widgets, no pun intended, but like, I'm just curious. Sure. And I mean, I think in many ways, it makes me think of the same kind of pattern that we were talking about earlier, where it's this, because I've been self-employed, been an independent developer for 12 years, like I've had to learn how to work at home effectively because the early years of this process were very difficult. Like, especially when we had young kids in the house and had to navigate like, how do I be, you know, how can I be next door, but not available for my kids? And how do we work on this? And like, how do I not burn out by working too much and be, feel like I'm always working uh, or, but at the same time, sometimes feel like I'm never working because, you know, I go and do some laundry in between things. And like the process of doing that, I think was, was very beneficial this year in particular, where I feel like a lot of my, just like people I know more generally who have more traditional employment, it was a difficult year for them to learn how to work at home and balance that and be productive and not get caught up in all of the things that I think has been a process that I've had to work on where I work nine to five pretty much every day, even though I don't need to, because I found that that's sustainable for me. It's important for me to have a separate space in the house that is a place that I only go to work and that I don't do other things that aren't work there. And like, that's been important or even having a vocabulary with my family that when I'm coming home in the afternoon, if I go downstairs and get a snack at four o'clock, my wife will ask me, are you home? Which is a bit silly because obviously I've been home the whole day, but it's like, what she's asking is, it's like, you know, am, am I available for home or am I just downstairs getting a snack and then coming back to work? And we have a vocabulary and a comfort and expectation there that we've been able to develop over the years that I think was really helpful to keep productive. And the fact that like COVID happened and I was stuck at home didn't ultimately, I don't think made much of a change to my productivity. It probably increased it ever so slightly just because you know, I didn't go on vacation. I didn't go places that I ordinarily would over the summer, but it was useful to having, having the years of building the experience of working from home for so long that this is all I know now. Like I haven't worked in a traditional office for you know over a decade and the vast majority of my professional career, you know, like I'm, I'm only 37. So it's not like I had 
decades of, of traditional, uh, like in the office employment before this. So it, it's very much something that I feel like is, I'm very comfortable at home. And this particular year, it didn't, you know, if anything, it was a probably a slight boost I had over people who were new to being at home all the time. Yeah, I, and I love that you mentioned that we have four kids who are in school. In fact, they're all in school about 15 feet that way and, and a room that's our classroom because they're all doing virtual school right now. And they will ask me the same question. I'll walk out of my office and they'll say, are you here? Which is a funny question to ask, like, are you here? But the question is like, we can see you, but should we really be like, are you working still? Yeah, yeah I'm just going to the bathroom guy. So I can, I can totally relate to that. So would you say that the fact that you've had that rhythm and that structure contributed to your success of being able to go from, I think you said the end of July is when you really decided that the widget Smith instead of Watchsmith was what you were going to focus on. I mean, that's still only like six weeks, right? Till September 1st that yeah. you had to have things done. You weren't having to learn how to do those things at home. You already had that established. Did, what role did that play for you? I mean, I think it definitely helps that it's like, I'm, I'm mostly just limited by my imagination at this point in terms of my ability to do the job of making an app. Like I've done it enough that I know if, if I have something in my mind that I want to build, I have the experience technically to know how to do that. And then I have the routine and sort of physical structures in, in my home to allow that productivity to happen. And so I think that is certainly a big part of it is just being, I'm not, the things that get in my way are mostly just my ability to come up with the idea for what I want to do more than men. So like when I have six weeks to make an app, like that feels like a long time to me because I've done this enough times to know that you know, in the same way that, you know, when I hear like, you know, I have a couple of friends who are reporters and they talk about like when they're going to go write it, you know, a a 3000 word article or a bit like I'm like writing 3000 words I wouldn't I don't know where to start it would be this <laughs> gigantic like I would just be terrified and I wouldn't know what that would do but like going and writing an app like no problem that's what I feel that's that's my expertise that's what I've done enough repetitions on to be able to do and to get started and to, to get going. And I think having that infrastructure in place means that when opportunities like this come up, you know, it's like every year Apple releases a new iOS and every year, one of my like things I go into WWDC with is, you know, what is, what is the new thing that they're doing that um, is going to be like, is, is going to allow me to take, you know, sort of take advantage of. And like my previous app, Pedometer Plus Plus that had done well was, it was the first app to take advantage of the step counting they added in the iPhone 5S. And it was the first app to ever did it, ever did it. And that was why it was successful to a large degree is, you know, I was able to make that app in the course of a week because I just knew how this process worked well enough to be able to turn it around really quickly. And so when people got their five S's and they were excited to count steps, it was there, it was ready, it was available. Um, and it's like, that's always the process I'm in and being able to take advantage of it. I think is a combination of experience that also just obviously the fact, I think it helps that I'm an independent that I'm just a one person job. It's not a committee. It's not a decision. It's just up to me to decide, you know, I'm just, if I decide I want to do something, I can go ahead and do it without um, sort of much getting in my way at this point. Obviously we talk about a lot of things, but arguably the focus of this podcast is people who are, trying to figure out the best ways to be productive working from home and how different things like technology and, and can help us do that. But the other big component of that is sort of the intersection of if you work from home, you're working in the same place that everything else in life happens, especially right now. And so I thought maybe we could unpack how how we handle that 
if there's any tips, what are some of the challenges? Because I think that a lot of people can relate to that right now, especially if you're a parent. Oh, yeah. And not even just parents, but like couples who have to work together. We found out last week that Marcus isn't going back until at least April 5th to the office. So it'll be over a full year that he has worked right behind me. Like, I think just creating some good boundaries and expectations is one of the top things. Like we were talking yesterday, we had a contractor come over who's going to do some stuff on the house. And I'm like, I finally just had to say, please stop talking for a minute, <laughs> you know, because I'm trying to do something and you're just, sometimes I love him so much, but he just like, he'll ramble a little bit because he's, you know, it's a stream of consciousness thinking. I'm like, okay, you just said the same thing. I get it. <laughs> so, you know, I need right. to stop right now or we'll work in different rooms sometimes with kids. It's different right now. My you're in a different situation than me. Your kids are home all the time. I like to make very clear expectations with them about have you have you done your homework since they're you know they're home Fridays. Have you, you know, have you done this? Uh, have you cleaned your room? And we'll agree on a time. And it was like, well, I'm busy right now. I'm you know especially with teenagers, I'm busy right now. I'm like, okay, well, let's agree on a time. What time can will you clean your room or you go for your run? And we'll agree, okay, two thirty. And at two thirty. He's perfectly willing to go for his run because we agreed on it mutually. I didn't just tell him, go for a run now. <laughs> right. And we don't have, so I, I, I'm interested a little bit about how you and your fiance figured out kind of a routine or how did you establish some of those boundaries? And the reason I ask is for me, I have an office, right? And we've talked about this on more than one occasion, that the best thing about my office is not my desk, It's although I really like my desk. It's not my computer, it's the door. The best thing about my office is that I have a door that I can close, and when I close the door, people know, like, dad is working. That doesn't mean that I don't ever get interrupted, but it does mean that people don't come in assuming that dad is here but you don't necessarily have that and for you not only now your kids aren't necessarily there so that's a little bit different but if you're not on a zoom call which is pretty easy to tell like if somebody's on a zoom call they're doing something but beside that like and this is a challenge that i had before when your job is to be a writer it doesn't really look like you're doing anything most of the time <laughs> right it doesn't because you're just staring at a computer screen and occasionally your fingers move but you know what? You could be like on Twitter and this, it would look exactly the same. Or you could be looking at your email or you could be on Amazon. All of those things to someone else look exactly the same as opposed to like somebody who is on a Zoom call or if you're making phone calls, let's say you're in sales and your primary job is that kind of a thing. That's different. Right. But not only does the job of writing not look all that different, there's another level of it, which is a lot of what happens happens inside your head, which is why it doesn't look like you're doing much. But when someone comes along thinking you're not really doing anything, so they feel like it must be a good time to try to talk to you, it like sabotages everything. I know. and I, <laughs> Every yeah. thought you've had is gone. I've had that issue before. My kid, and I've just had to talk to my kids about it, like, or even Marcus, like if I'm looking at something or if I'm writing, you know, he doesn't necessarily know that I'm in the middle of a paragraph and that he's totally disrupting my flow. <laughs> but I have to, you know, he's an adult. I can tell him and he's like, he gets it. And he's like, but he'll make jokes. He's like, yeah, right, you don't work. <laughs> but it, some, sometimes I will, uh, I'll work in, if I'm not on like in between Zoom calls, especially now that I have a fast computer and I don't necessarily feel the need for two screens as much. Uh, I will 
go work in our in our room so we don't have the ability to talk to each other as easily unless we're like gonna scream across the house we actually end up texting each other a lot (laughs) from across the house um with my kids like they'll come up and they see i'm not on a call but they'll usually peek their head around the corner and be like what's she doing (laughs) and uh and i'm like oh can i show you this tiktok and i'm like no dear not right now mom i'm 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 working oh okay or like come out with their math workbook savannah comes out and she's like i need help someone help me and i'm like that's not me you go to markets i I can't do math (laughs) you know or you know um from when we work together what the um fl means right for um and so like i was writing an article and my daughter comes up and she just goes what's fl and she's like f and then she just stands there and goes fl 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 and i'm like this is not this is not helpful i'm like please go away so we have to i have to say you know for this time period or for example if we're recording a podcast and they happen to be home that day i have to say okay video games are gonna have to be off and you have to be quiet for an hour and uh I said to my son, he was like, God, and he was like, man, why? He's like, I swear I'll be quiet. And I'm like, no, we know you won't. And we can hear you across the entire house when you get psyched up. And I'm like, I'll say, or I could just take it away for the rest of the week. And he goes, well, that wouldn't be cool. And I said, well, how about you be cool and just get off of it for an hour? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And quick editor's note, just for anyone who's listening, FL is just a note to someone, for someone else who's going to look at an article it means something to them. If you're trying to figure out, like, is it a curse? What is that? <laughs> it's not. So just so people know, you notate things for other people. I just know somebody was going to be like, what? They, they didn't hear anything else you said because they were trying to figure out what does FL mean? It's just, it doesn't mean anything to anyone else. But so when you were trying to, or I mean, obviously it's been almost a year now, but over the course of the year, were there some particularly challenging types of things to work out? Because you have worked from home for a while, but for example, your fiance hadn't, right? He's used to working in an office. Yeah, we had to set up, like, setting up a workplace for him was difficult, was kind of hard. And we'd like, because he works at the dining room table. So basically during the week, the dining room table is destructed into his workplace with his monitor, which sits against two candle holders because they didn't give him a stand (laughs) to put it on. And then for the weekend, we like tear it down so we can actually have dinner at the table and things like that. But during the week, we don't really have dinner at the table. Not that we always did, you know. So that, that's been different. But I mean, part of me kind of likes some things because there's someone to talk to. But I also cherish being home alone a lot more. If you go somewhere and the kids aren't home, like being home alone and just binge watching TV or playing stupid games on my computer or phone is like... I kind of really enjoy it. There have been a couple of times since March, not very many because obviously we we don't really go anywhere, but especially over the summer, there was at least one time when our kids went camping with with my parents and Beth had to work one or two of those days. And, I, and one of them was a Saturday that she had to work. And I'm like, I'm just going to work all day, honestly, because there's no one he, like it was me and the dog. And it was like glorious. And I love my family. I love my kids. I love my wife. I was telling her last night, or maybe it was actually this morning, that one of the challenges for me is because I work from home. And it used to be that even though I work from home, I used to travel a lot. And even aside from that, I would spend at least one day a week and I would go work at Starbucks for like six hours. 
right? Because I just needed, I remember, especially when I was writing, I needed to hunker down and be able to get some stuff done without some of the distractions. And now three days a week, roughly two to three days a week during the week, um, Beth is home. I still don't ever get a break. And I don't mean that what I'm doing is like hard. It's just, you don't have that like separation between things. And so it's harder. Like, so for her, she goes to work and she works very hard. She's a nurse, but I think you're a better parent when you occasionally get a little bit of space from your children, but I don't ever get that. And so I sometimes will find myself not being as good of a parent as I want to be. And I, it occurs to me, it's like, no, you need a little bit of space. So what you need to do is when the kids all go to bed, you just need to go sit quietly by yourself, you know, but like get to that point first, because you will get to that point. Just don't do anything in the meantime. Don't sing, you know, don't, don't yell at your kids because it'll break their heart in the meantime, because you're going to get a break. And so I've, I've noticed for me, I think that's a big thing is there is no separation between work and everything else when it all happens in the same place. So you have to find ways to be intentional about creating that, if that makes sense. Do you think that your kids get that? Sometimes I, you know, I, I know that you have like a wide span of ages and different, you know, levels of development <laughs> with four kids, but like da- dad needs some, some quiet alone time or, or, or does that make them feel bad or, you know, I've, I have no idea. I think, so I, this is one of the things I've done, especially. So there's two things that I would say in response to that. The first one is, I don't know how much our kids, cause our oldest is 12 and a half. I'm not sure how much any of them have a great sense or feeling of what life was like before they were just home all the time. I, I'm sure that they remember going and doing things or they remember going to school, but this probably feels like all there is, especially for like our six year old, right? It's been over a year since he's been in a school building. Like it's he, when you're only, he's only been to school for like half of his kindergarten was gone. He's been to preschool. That's it. Like he doesn't know what it's really like to be in elementary school with a teacher in a classroom. Like, he he can't like so this this is all they know but so i don't know that they have any concept of anything like that people might live life differently or have different sets of needs but the other piece of it is there are times when i will say to my kids especially when beth is is not here guys listen i have a really busy day today i love you all very much but i really need your help because there's a lot of stuff I have to get done, which means that if you guys interrupt or if, you know, if I can't get the stuff done, I probably won't be as nice as I'd like to be. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, what we get, we get it, dad. What you're saying is this would be a good day to leave you alone because otherwise you might yell or, <laughs> or <laughs> like uh, they understand. Yeah. Or you say we won't and have I'm as always... much time later, you know, if right. I have to deal with interruptions all day. Or but... I'll say to them, listen. I have a lot of stuff going on today and I want you guys to know that if I'm in any way seem stressed or short or anything like that, it has nothing to do with you guys. I love you, but I'm going to try to hunker down and get this. So please let me know if you absolutely need me, but if it's something you can take care of on your own, I would, I'm really appreciative if you just give me that space to get stuff done because I want to be a good dad for you, but I can't promise that I won't like lose my mind if you don't let me get finished. And they seem to understand that because they know like, okay, dad, dad's got a lot to do. 
let's just let's just go do our thing. And they're actually pretty good about it, especially our do- our our older our older two kids, our daughters are 12 and 10. And yesterday I had a had something at 12 o'clock that I I didn't get to pick the time and so I didn't have any choice. And that's literally the moment that they all go have lunch. And I went in beforehand and said, listen, I'm going to be on this WebEx call. It's probably going to take a half an hour. Girls, I really need your help. Could you please make sure the boys have lunch? Could you make them lunch? Could you? And they're like, yeah, we'll take care of that. So that's kind of nice to know that as long as I communicate, and that's probably the point, as long as I communicate with them up front and set expectations, things go a lot better overall. I think that's really good advice I and mean, like kind of giving them the, like the why behind it because sometimes I'm, I'll get frustrated because I'm trying to work and my 13-year-old will come in or um, and be like, can you make me food? And I'm like, you can make your own sandwich, you know? <laughs> and so, and I've like tried to be patient. He's like, well, he just is not a natural cook like my like my daughter is and I don't want them to just eat crap like we have to literally limit the amount of corn dogs we buy because that would be all he would eat (laughs) if we let him (laughs) so um I like trying like okay I'm gonna hang with me I'll teach you this how to make this thing that you like one time and then in the future you can you can make it yourself you can make it yourself because there's no reason why I should have to make their lunch every single day when at the ages that they're that they're at so I think I like that advice. I'm actually going to use some of that because I think if they really, if they understand the purpose behind why you need to be left alone and kids don't always get that, um, you know, and my son probably thinks playing video games is as important as what I do because maybe he may, may, he might become a professional YouTuber one day. And so he's honing his right. craft. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and I think the other piece of it is that the kids don't have the same especially at the age that my kids and your kids are at, they don't have the same level of awareness of what's going on around them. And they don't necessarily understand that like, there's a lot of things that a parent has to do Um, there. And I don't mean this to be uh, derogatory towards children, but like they're very self-centered, right? Mm -hmm. The only world that exists is the one that they're experiencing through their, through their eyes and through their ears and through their feelings, especially their feelings they don't have the ability always to see outside of themselves. Well, actually a lot of adults don't either. So let's just be, let's just be fair. But the point is if you can tell them up front, Hey, this is what's going to happen. And this is what I need from you, you know, for example, and, and actually, so on the days that Beth is home, she, she's a saint and she handles almost all of it on the day. She's not, I'll often work in the classroom with them. But if I really have to get something done, I'll come into my office, but I make a point of about every 30 minutes getting up, and going in and checking on everybody. Mm-hmm. So they know dad's coming back soon. If I need something now, it better be an emergency because he'll be back in 30 minutes. If I just want him to help me look over this thing to make sure I understand this math problem, it can probably wait. You know what I mean? Right. So, but but if I didn't if I didn't make the effort of saying, okay, guys, I'll be back in a half an hour, I guarantee you I'd walk out of the room and at least three of the four kids would follow me. Right. Right? <laughs> because they're not thinking about anything else. They're just like, I need a thing now. Mm-hmm. And that's just a developmental stage of, of children. And that's, you know, I always try to tell my kids when I try to explain things and they're like, oh, well, that's not how I see it. I'm like, it's my job to help explain, expand your worldview as your mom. <laughs> it's not my job to be your, to be your servant. And they'll say like, well, you're my mom. You're supposed to cook me food. I'm like, well, yes, it's true, but I'm supposed to make, but 
there is a litany of food available for you and leftovers in the fridge that you are you can absolutely get yourself. One of the things that I talked with Dave David about is that because I asked how you know you work from home, how are, how are you able to prioritize all of the things that go into building an app in basically six weeks. Obviously when he was building it, he had no idea it was going to be the, the top app in the app store. Like you just can't possibly foresee that. That was kind of the point of the article I wrote, but how do you, how do you prioritize your time? How do you do all that? And one of the things I really liked that he said that he had been doing this for a while. So he didn't have to teach himself the process in the, in the, the routines. He has a set schedule and he, he talked about how he works from nine to five, even though he doesn't have to, but that helps create a boundary. And I think I think one of the temptations that people have is that if I work from home, I should work anytime I want, or I can work anytime I want. Or I, But I think you'd probably agree, yeah, you can have some flexibility because you don't have to be at the office at 8 a.m., but you get, you're so much more productive when you have a routine. And knowing work starts at this time and it ends at this time, not only will you get more done, but you'll you'll your mental health will be much better because you've created a boundary around it. Does that mm-hmm. does that make sense? No, totally. And uh, it's not like that's always easy because if you cheat on your routine, no one knows about you <laughs> most right. of the time. So it's you know it's a it's a constant balance and you know keeping your own self accountable because no one notices if you don't walk into the office at eight a.m. or eight thirty or whenever. Um, if you don't follow your routine, nobody will know. Right. And here's, here's one of the interesting things about having a routine. It will save your butt. Here's why if you, so like I work for myself, but I still am accountable to other people because I, I work in my work. The work that I produce is used, you know, on a website. And so the people who own that website, Right. And the people, not just the people who own it, but the people who work there are counting on what I'm doing. So I am accountable, even though they can't say like, Hey, we expect you at work at 8am. They expect me to produce a certain amount of content, you know, and a certain number of articles. So I'm still accountable, but by telling them up front, here's what my routine is. It helps me because then they'll know like, Hey, Jason didn't, didn't, didn't file an article this today. I wonder what's going on. And you never want some, that's the worst possible thing that can happen is for someone to say, I wonder what's going on because they start to fill in the blank and it's never good. (laughs) Maybe he's flaking out on us. Maybe he's, you know, maybe he's quit. Maybe he's whatever. You never want someone to ask themselves the question. I wonder what's going on with Jess today in a situation like yours where you do have a, like a boss, (laughs) right? I know you have a boss because I used to be your boss. So I know that you still have at least one. But the last thing you want is for your boss to be asking that question. I wonder what's going on today because Jess didn't turn in her article. That's never happened. At least it never happened when I was her boss. So I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not ragging on Jess. But my point is it did happen with other people who, who, who reported to me and no one who's listening to this has any idea who any of them are. So we won't name names. It doesn't matter. But the worst possible thing is their, is their manager, as their boss was to be sitting here going, I wonder what's happening. And if the person doesn't have a, a regular habit of producing things, or if you aren't following a structure, mm-hmm. no one can check your work. And what I'm, I guess what I mean by that is you don't have the ability to help. Right. As a manager, I don't have, if I don't know what it is you're doing and I don't, I don't mean I need to micromanage. I just need to have (laughs) you be able to say, this is my process. If I don't know what that is, I can't help you figure out when something goes wrong. So I have to assume the worst. Like 
I maybe I don't have to, but I'm going to assume the worst because I don't know what's going on. And so I think that if you're working from home for a company and you feel like this is amazing because I'm not accountable, I can do what I want, you're in a dangerous place. You're way better off telling whoever it is that you report to, this is exactly what I'm doing because it will help you in the event that something goes wrong, right? Because does that make sense? Yeah, and I just think like to to pin on to that, like the clear communication, if there is a problem, like if it's taking me a long time to get research for something that I'm working on longer than expected and I'm, I really want to have this article done by this date and, you know, I don't have the research yet. You just have to communicate. And I think more times than less, rational people... <laughs> Like, we'll be like, okay, I get that. And on also, if you talk about, okay, all the other things that you're, you're working on, I think communication is huge. I don't, I'm not a fan of like a daily one-on-one, but like with my manager, we do one, or my editor, whatever you want. Your boss. She's your boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, she, but we'll meet like right. once or twice a week. But we also have open communication on Slack, whatever. If we need to head, jump on a quick call or Zoom, it doesn't matter. Uh, so I think I'm also, you know, a big proponent of communication in general with, with everyone. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and the last thing I'll say about that is, so in this, is, I guess, as you were talking, it, it helped me refine sort of the direction I was trying to go. One of our daughters is learning long division or whatever version of division they do nowadays in school. We, you, we learned it because we're old as long division, right? And her math teacher, every time they're given a homework assignment or a quiz, you get a, a half of a point if you get the answer correct. And the other half, or you get a point if you get the answer correct, you get a point for showing your work. So you could get the, you could get the, right. the question wrong, but if you show your work, you still get one of the points. But you could also get the question right. But if you don't show your work, you, you still miss half the point. And the whole, the purpose mm. of that is if you get the answer wrong and you don't show your work, the t- what's, how can the teacher help you, right? They can't help you figure out where exactly. you went wrong. Yeah. But if you get the answer wrong and you do show your work, then the teacher can come back and be like, see, this is where you had the, the problem. And I had, I've had people who, one in particular, who reported to me who essentially never showed their work. And in that case, when that person kept being unable to meet deadlines and unable to produce, there was no way to go back and say, show me your work so I can help you figure out why this isn't getting turned in. Because the response was always, well, I don't like to do my work in my Google Doc. I like to do it handwritten. Listen, ain't nobody writes 4,000 word articles by hand. It doesn't. (laughs) If you're telling someone that, first of all, they're not going to believe you. But second of all, let's just pretend like it was true. How can I help you if you don't show your work? So even if you're working from home, whatever that looks like in your business, I highly encourage people to show their work, right? Like Because then you're protecting yourself because you're inviting whoever it is that's responsible for the team that you're on to be able to come on side and come alongside of you and say, you know, we had a problem with the performance. Let's go back and let's look at the work. Let's figure out where it went wrong. And then they can help you as opposed to there's a problem with your performance and we don't really know what Mm -hmm. you're doing. So see ya. Yep. Nope. Totally makes sense. And I don't, I feel like the more I go on, the less and less I'm actually writing on, on paper to myself. 
I mean, I would never write articles on paper. I might write some ideas or whatnot, but I've actually started a habit of keeping my computer in the bedroom for when I have ideas or when I sleep. Yeah, sometimes struggle with insomnia, but sometimes I have really good ideas in the middle of the night, and I can just pull it out and write it down, and it'll it'll be there ready for me the next day. Or I'll keep a notebook around so I can write things down, but I have pretty atrocious handwriting so especially in the middle of the night and dark <laughs> well, and that's funny and i don't want to go too far off but i i love that you brought that up because i i 100 percent agree with you and I, i'm going to say this i haven't i have long been a proponent i even wrote an article about this it was the two things you should do every night to be more productive in the morning okay so the second thing you should do every night is like go to bed which is a no-brainer, but you're not going to get up early enough to be productive early in the morning if you don't actually go to bed. That's, so that's I said more than that, and I said it more eloquently. I'll link to it. But the first thing is, is you should have a notepad or a piece of paper or something next to your bed so that those thoughts that keep you up at night, because that's what that's the problem is people are recycling everything that happened throughout the day or things they need to do tomorrow or whatever it is. Just take a note card and write it down because then your brain is free to not have to keep thinking about it because you know... Because you're worried you're going to forget. That's why you keep thinking about it is like, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. Write it on a piece of paper. Now you can start your day with a to-do list. So anyway, I'm a huge proponent of that. And I I love to think on paper. I, I still use a notebook for like thoughts and forming thoughts and organizing thoughts. Not for articles, but just big picture stuff. But I can't tell you how often on my phone I will be like at the dinner table and you're a writer, you know how this is, you figure, you like, a phrase comes to your brain, and you're like, I have to say it that way, you mm-hmm. have to get it down right then, right, you have to get those words, you will never remember it, and so I can't tell you how often, so the app that I use to write in is Ulysses, and I can easily on my phone just open a new document, and you know, a new page in Ulysses, and just, I'm just typing mm-hmm. out whatever that sentence was that is in my head, and sometimes it happens when I'm driving, I don't know why, but it'll happen a lot of times when I'm picking up our daughter from gymnastics. Usually I'm waiting for about 15 minutes and I'm just sitting there. So apparently I'm just thinking about things and then we'll be pulling away and I'll be like, hang on for a second, honey. And I, and I love using the, um, you can, you can hit the, in almost te- any text field, you can hit the microphone and you can talk and Siri will transcribe it for you. I'm always doing that. I'll be like, hang on a second back there. <laughs> I'm just talking to my phone because I can't drive and text it you know, type text in, but I can talk to my phone for a minute. So I highly encourage people to like have some sort of a system that you can collect that stuff because you're absolutely right. Like you'll forget it. So anyway, that's just a bonus. So, so are you starting anything new this year? Um, uh, possibly anything uh, you want well, to talk like, about, I guess is a better way. And if so, yeah. how are you going about that? <laughs> well, okay. So here's one, one point that uh, you know, we talked about on our outline, like, you know, new year, new president, like what kinds of new things are you trying to do? Well, um, I think it's really important because say you try to make, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions because I think if you want to make a change, you should just go ahead and make that change regardless of the date. But just for the sake of people, the example, you can make a big list of all the things that you want to change that year and you try to tackle them all at once. You're just going to get overwhelmed and you're going to quit. So I'm really big on one thing at a time. So, you know, I am a, I'm a night owl. I don't like to wake up early. I absolutely abhor mornings. I hate them. <laughs> I wish they, <laughs> I just, like, I don't hit a stride, into a good stride until later in the day most of the time. But one of the reasons why that happens probably, even if I'm always just not a morning person, is I stay up too late. I stay up too late watching 
you know, X-Files and there'll be a cliffhanger on an episode. And I'm like, we can't, I can't stop on that one. <laughs> but I had like, so I'm trying to make a rule of like not to watch TV in bed. Well, um, unless it's the weekend. So, so that helps me like go to sleep earlier. I know I'll go to sleep and I'll, or I'll make a rule. Okay. Maybe I'll watch one, but then I have to turn it off. And if I still can't go to sleep, I'll read a book on my Kindle for a little bit because that's that paper white screen and I and I will end up going to sleep and I'll have some sleepy time tea, read a book for a little bit and I will I'll be I will be able to sleep. But rather than oh I'm not I'm not that tired yet, go ahead and start this episode and if I fall asleep, I fall asleep. But doing it like a little bit at a time rather than be like, I'm going to bed three hours earlier than now because you're not gonna be able to sleep. So it's like incremental progress is what I'm talking about there. Yeah, and you should, I, I, you should definitely read the article I mentioned. I didn't, we didn't plan it this way, but you should, I, you should definitely, I'll send you the link to it. But you should definitely read that if you want to be more productive in the morning. You should do these two things every night because I think you'll, I think you would like that. I think it would help you because I, I'm the opposite. I am a hundred. In fact, I'm a hundred. I'm such a morning person that by ten o'clock in the morning, I'm done for the day. <laughs> Like if, if I, if I could, if I could, I, I usually, well, there's no question between 5am and 10am, I get everything productive that I'm going to do for the day basically done. The only exception to that is like, I don't, we don't report, we don't record this podcast at that time because you're not up because never mind that you're not a morning person. You're also an hour behind us. Right. So that, that doesn't work. And because I'm writing for publications, those publications that like the people I work with are not usually up that early. So I do have to do some work after that. Like I just turned in an article not that long before we got on here because I had just gotten some revisions back. Like those types of things, I don't have control over that for time, but I'm not kidding you. If you add up all of the stuff I'm able to get done later in the day, and compare it to what I do. In, in fact, you could just compare it to what I do between 5 a.m. and 8 a.m. There's like no comparison. Like I'm done. I would just go back to bed at 10 o'clock and get up again and have another morning if I could. But I think part of it is part of it's probably because it relates back to what we talked about before. That's really the only time I have when no one else is when, up. When it's really quiet. Yeah. Because the kids don't get up and, um, if, if Beth is up, it's because she has to go to work. And if she goes to work, then she's not here, <laughs> right? So so I'm that's alone time. But then at the same time, the kids, you know, if she's if she's doesn't have to go to work, she doesn't get up until the kids get up, which is totally fine because on the days she has to work, she's, you know, she works 13 and a half hours. So that she, you know, she'll get up at like 7 or 7.30 at the latest, which means that from 5 till 7.30, like the world is mine. It's It's such a wonderful thing. I, you did say something that I liked though that I wanted to follow up on because you talked about like choosing one thing and I listened to a podcast it's called cortex and I'll put a link in the description to it but they yeah on this podcast they talk about choosing a yearly theme as opposed to like resolutions or whatever and the idea what is you know pick a word that defines whatever your theme is for the year maybe it's refinement or maybe it's health or maybe it's focus or maybe whatever it is and then you break that down into okay what are the things i need to do on a regular basis to get there right so maybe like maybe if it's health i need to just start walking twice a week like that's an achievable thing 
but like getting healthy is not an achievable. It's like not a measurable goal necessarily. Right. Because you'll never get there. If all you ever do is say, I need to get healthy right. this year. No, I have a friend that does that. Like does it. Yeah. Mean? And so if you choose a th- and even if you don't want to call it a theme or even whatever, like if you choose a thing that you want to accomplish. So for me, I have a couple projects that I'm going to, tr- that I would like to work on this year and they're, they feel extraordinarily huge. And for a while, I couldn't even begin to figure out how some of the pieces were supposed to fit together until I sat down and I tried to break it down. I'm like, okay, so if this is the end goal, first of all, how do all the other things that I'm doing fit into that goal? And and it actually occurred to me, oh, okay, this is what I need to be doing. And it made it really easy for me to filter out all the stuff that seemed important to me, but won't actually help me get to that goal or to to accomplish that project. So it made it easier on a regular basis to say, this is how I need to spend my time. I know that was somewhat vague. Because none of it is baked enough to like share publicly yet. <laughs> but but the point is like see what the big thing is, break it into the pieces, figure out which of the pieces and which of the other things that you have going on will help you move closer to that and get rid of everything else. Right. I agree. I it's all about like focusing on one thing at a time. And I um when I was younger I used to do I feel like a really poor job and like I've like and it's a good attitude though. It's like go hard or go home, but you're setting in essence you're most likely setting yourself up for failure by your like trying to be all things to like meet every goal and it's just it it doesn't work and that's why i don't really believe in resolutions that much but i do love the idea of a theme for the year so something that you're consistently focusing right so i would love to hear from people who listen to this like what they're working on this year or if they have any good tips about it if they have any suggestions um you can send us messages on twitter you can um if you, if you visit my Twitter page, my email's right there. So you can email them to us and let us know. And if you, if you have some great tips, we'll, we'll probably share them because we're all about passing that kind of information along. And we will be back next week. We will, we, even though we missed a week, we will be back next week. We thank all of you for listening and uh, send us a message if you have any uh, thoughts or any, any tips that we should include. Thank you. All right. Thanks.